Finally official in Major League Soccer is back in Miami. This is the SBI Show. I am Garrett Cleverly. With me, as always, is Ivis Galarsa. What's cracking? What's going on, Garrett? Oh, you know, nothing much. Just uh, going to try to get us through a show with all this construction going on at my apartment. So if anyone hears some construction, bear with us throughout the show, but we will make it through. Yeah, you know, I think Garrett's getting some special work done on his plays. He's uh He's, he's moving up in the world, so, you know, who knows what kind of project he's got going on over there. Oh, yeah, yeah, at the high-rise, you know, because I direct all the affairs of this place. Oh, well, you know, you're, you're a roller. You're, you're on TV now. You're a baller. Come no, on. I'm not. Well, you know, the, well, okay, I, I will say this. At, at, my, at my specific building, because, you know, I told you there's like, you know, five high-rises in Phoenix, people who live on floors above us, you know, they look down on everyone. So I'm only halfway up, so I can only, like, control half the people that live in the building. But the people that live in the penthouse, they, they look down on everyone. Let's be honest. You live in the basement. <laughs> the basement's scary, dude. I don't go down there. Especially at night. It's really scary. Why would you even go there? Is there like laundry or something? Uh, there's like a soda machine, so sometimes I want like a Coke. But every time I go down there, they have like these, you know, wall-to-ceiling mirrors. I always have this like, this like, you know, I'm going to like, it's going to be dark. The lights are going to flicker. There's going to be like a ghost in the mirror or something like that. It always freaks me out. <laughs> oh, man. You're, you're the, I tell you what, our, our, reader, our listeners... Image and impression of you is not is not a great one. I gotta say that well, I don't care. The people who met me in Kansas City, they 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 know I checked out. That's all that matters. <laughs> Someone, if, if there's anyone out there that has a dog, they'd like to donate to Garrett because he's clearly in need of some protection. Let us know because we want to get him a dog. Please, my biceps are big enough for my protection. <laughs> yeah, you okay. you kept saying that. You kept being like, "Damn, Garrett, look look how ripped you are." And I was like, "Yeah, check this out." And I was like, like "You know, flexing," you know. He's a chiseled 105 pounds. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, you know, <laughs> that's the only reason why because there's no fat on me. It's just skin and bone. <laughs> there you go. Uh, well, Ivis, uh, as, as we said, the the news of the Miami franchise—it's not surprising. We've known about it for a while, but it's finally official. Uh, some good news, you know. Franco was down there reporting, did an excellent job. You know, this is good for the league, obviously, to return back to Miami. But just, you know, uh, did you have a chance to check out the press conference? I mean, what were your original thoughts just on on everything that you saw coming out of uh, coming out of Miami? Well, let's be honest. The whole press, the event on the day of the announcement, mm-hmm. it was just a big dog and pony show. I mean, it wasn't much to that, to be honest. I mean, that in the grand scheme of things, what happened on that day was really just a big show. Uh, for the kind of mainstream media, give everybody a chance to see Beckham, you know, in the flesh and let him let him kind of give his cliched <laughs> sound bites. Uh, but you know, as you said, we had Franco Panizo down there, and he he, he was reporting on it. And he actually got some pretty good information uh, from Marcelo Claré, the uh, the investor slash uh, business partner for David Beckham. Uh, and you know, he had some interesting things to say about what their vision is, mm-hmm. and the things they'd like to get done. But when it comes down to it. As you said, we all knew Miami was going to get a team. We knew Beckham was going to exercise his option and move to Miami. I mean, there's no news in that. I mean, this has pretty mm-hmm. much been a, a foregone conclusion for months. What what really, the real work, what really is going to come down to it is what Beckham does from here on out. And and I, uh, you know, I wrote a piece for Goal.com uh, laying that out that, you know, 
getting the team is nothing because he was always going to get a team that he wanted, right? I mean, pretty much that was part of the deal when he came to MLS that he could get he he could buy an expansion team at a pretty deep discount uh, anywhere but New York. Um, so he put it in Miami. We've known that for a while, but now the real hard part comes for him because number one, he has to get that stadium built. And that's not done. Mm -hmm. It's not a done deal yet. People need to realize that the stadium project is still a work in progress. He still has to convince the people in Miami, uh, A, to to, to support a stadium, to invest in a stadium and put it where he wants to put it. And at this point, that's easier said than done. Number two, he's got to hire the right people to run that, to run the organization. And that's going to be the biggest task of it all, because when it comes down to it, that Miami team has to hit the ground running. They have to start out really well, capture the imagination of the fans there. They can't, there, there will be no accepting excuses of a slow start or, oh, you know, we're an expansion team. We're going to struggle. Everybody knows that in MLS, you can you can pretty much put a team together from from day one and compete. And and it's going to come it's going to come down to Beckham and that ownership group hiring the right general manager, hiring the right head coach to, to put that team together so that when they kick off, in 2017, it seems it's going to be 2017, uh, they're ready with a competitive team, an entertaining team, and the kind of team that's going to get people to want to say, you know what, let's go to the stadium. Let's go to the soccer stadium. Let's not hang out at, at South Beach or let's not, you know, let's take some time off from laying in the sand and, and let's go to a soccer game. You know, that's that's and that's that's the tricky part. Everyone knows Miami's a tough sports town that mm-hmm. way. Uh, so Beckham's got his work cut out for him. Yeah, as it was as you said, some details that came at me. Yeah, they they were saying that three years, you know, three years they're, they're going to look to kind of get everything in twenty seventeen going. But but I think you're right. I mean, for me, and, and I, look, I, I always see Miami as a comparison to Phoenix in just terms of sports market because one, you have so many people living there that aren't from that area. It's kind of a melting pot. But I mean, I, I think they have to hit the name right, and they have to hit the location for the stadium. I mean, both of those had to be spot on. I don't know about the name thing. I mean, I mean, obviously they're gonna, obviously that's something, but I don't think that's really what's gonna make or break that team. What's gonna make or break that team is if they're whether or not they're competitive, whether or not they, you know, they can bring in some star players because you need star players. You know, when it comes down to it, a city like Miami, uh, with you know, they they want flash. You know, they they want they want whoever you know. Obviously, Kaká is a player who's been mentioned for Orlando. Uh, you need someone on that level. You need to, you need you know one or two star players to really get things going. And, and something that maybe people don't know, or actually I think people have an idea, of, but not everyone may know, is, is Miami is one of the top vacation spots for European soccer players, your star European soccer players. Uh, every winter uh, and every summer, actually it's every summer uh, they come they come down in hordes to to Miami because it's you know it's a great place to be. Uh, so in any given summer, you're going to see European soccer players there. So the trick is, how do you get those players that are coming every year uh, for vacation and, and to sell them on the idea of pl- actually playing there? And may, you know what? May, maybe they will be able to get some players who, who who have come to Miami through the years and who love Miami to actually want to come and live and play in Miami. And, 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 and obviously that's one of the big differences between this team and the Miami Fusion. Miami Fusion played in Fort Lauderdale. They really didn't have a connection with Miami. It was never really Miami's team. You know, like it, it didn't resonate in Miami proper. Now, if you're going to get a stadium built in downtown Miami, if that if they succeed in doing that, you actually have a true Miami team. 
And it's going to be a big selling point. But again, it comes down to hiring the right coach, hiring, hiring the right GM, getting that stadium done. If they get if they do those three three things right, that Miami team can absolutely be a success. Now, if they get those things wrong, they're gonna it's a it's gonna be a severe handicap for them to to have a strong start. Well, with the addition of of Miami as the new expansion franchise, Ivis, that means there's two spots left. You know, as Don Garber said, uh recent, you know, a couple months ago that they wanted to have four new teams by the end of the decade. You have Orlando, now you have Miami. You know, there's two spots left. So, you know, competition's going to heat up. Speaking of that, a team, well, not a team, but a city that we've spoken about that that looks to be more or less a front runner is Atlanta. And reports are now coming out that they're further along in discussion in discussions with Major League Soccer. What's what's the latest on that? Well, it's as we as we've been saying. You know, Atlanta is really bullish about having uh, an MLS expansion team be a part of the project that they're, they're they have there for a new stadium in Atlanta. Arthur Blank, uh, the owner of the Falcons, obviously obviously has the money, and and you know they're trying. They're trying to build what is reportedly a $1.2 billion uh, sports facility that, you know, can house, that will obviously be a home for the NFL team, but can also be used to, to, to um, house soccer games, house soccer matches. So uh, it, it sounds like it sounds like MLS is very interested. It sounds like they're working towards that. And uh, it's, it's not a done deal yet. But, you know, you always got the sense that, you know, if they can get that stadium situation sorted out, Atlanta is absolutely... Uh, the kind of market that MLS would want to would want to add, you know, we, we've talked about this for months now about locking down that southeast corner where MLS had had, you know, been had disappeared from. You know, they've been gone for more than a decade with just no presence in that part of the country. So now you go from that to potentially having Orlando, Miami and Atlanta, which, you know, we've said for, for a while now uh, would be a great trio to have just to fill out just kind of the country. As a whole, so I mean, I think for me, Atlanta's the safe bet. I think you know, barring anything crazy, Atlanta will be the next team that gets announced. Uh, you know, as far as expansion, and then from there, it really becomes a a, a pretty intense race uh, to see who takes that next spot. You yeah, know, the, that, the, 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 that that's an interesting one. I mean, let's. I mean, do you think Major League Soccer would, would want to go with San Antonio, or would that be too many teams in the, in the kind of the, the general, you know, geographically south area? I think at that point it's not an issue about area; it's it's an issue about the best bid. So it could be San Antonio, it could be Minnesota, uh, you know, Charlotte or Sacramento. I mean, it, it, there's been a lot of places mentioned, but for me, I think Minnesota and San Antonio are two of the mm-hmm. two of the kind of stronger ones. So uh, I think at that point, once you've got the Southeast locked down with those three teams, if Atlanta gets the bid as expected, uh, you you kind of have the luxury of going in any number of directions. I think obviously San Antonio uh, would help you know, give you three teams in Texas, which would give you a nice triangle there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's close enough in proximity to Houston and Dallas that would create some pretty good rivalries there. So I think I think it makes a lot of sense, you know. And obviously, you know, nothing against Minnesota. I think Minnesota would be great as well. Uh, Minneapolis-St. Paul, great soccer cities, uh, you know, as we've seen in past in television ratings for World Cups and the like. Uh, and as well, uh, you know, SBI readership through the years. You know, M- Minneapolis has always been really strong, one of the top cities in the country. So, I don't think you can go wrong with either one of those two, but I, th- I think it is interesting how much progress San Antonio has made or how, how much uh, movement and how much San Antonio has, has kind of barged into that conversation. I mean, it's always been a city that you've you know kind of said, all right, there's a possibility there. Uh, you know, I think that they had a, you know, a mayor at the time a few several years back that had you know, kind of put San Antonio on that map as a team that uh, as a city that wants a team. 
Uh, obviously, it didn't happen uh, then, and, and but it looks like now it, it absolutely could happen. Well, if the franchise go, if, well, if the if the fourth franchise, let's just say, for instance, Atlanta gets one and San Antonio gets one. I mean, obviously, San Antonio is going to be rivals with FC Dallas and the Houston Dynamo, as you said, with three teams in Texas. But if Atlanta jumps in, you know, they have no. You kind of wonder who their geographical rival is going to be. I mean, do you think they're going to be some lumped some in with Orlando and Miami? I mean, people will see it that way, especially people from outside the the southeast. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's not like they're really close to each other, so I don't think it's going to be able to be a natural rivalry. Uh, I mean, I'm sure there'll be some sense of a rivalry, but it's tough, you know. I think, and and, and remember, it, rivalries are not always just about proximity uh, and about you know neighboring teams. I mean, you know, natural rivalries develop just. Uh, when you want to talk about matchups and 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 uh, you know games that you know lead to bad blood or history, you know I think I think in those ways Atlanta could definitely form rivalries with other teams. But I think I, I, I mean just look at a map. I mean it's not like you're going to see people from Miami driving to Atlanta for for those <laughs> games. You know what I mean? So it's not that close. So will there be natural rivalries for Atlanta? Not maybe not. But at the same time. I think it's great for the Southeast to get a team that, because uh, from what I understand, people in the South don't consider, and this is kind of funny to me, people in the in quote unquote the South don't consider Florida the South, right? They consider it Florida, like it's its own thing. Southerners consider it will will adopt Atlanta. So from that standpoint, maybe there'll be that rivalry of Southerners quote unquote that will back Atlanta. And then there'll be that Southerners versus Florida thing. Uh, but you know what? I don't know. I, it's not going to be the same as Portland, Seattle or, you know, Philly, D.C. I, I just don't think you're going to see that. But at the same time, look at San Jose, uh, L.A. I mean, yeah. San Jose and L.A., they're not, you know, it's not like it's super close there. But they have one of the better rivalries in, in the league. So from that standpoint, I think we should just wait and see. I mean, you want to see what the rivalries naturally develop over time. Uh, moving over to the Americans abroad front, Ivis Juan Agudelo continues to impress for FC Utrecht. On the last show, we talked about the equalizing assist he had against Ajax this past week. He did score his first goal. And Juan Agudelo, Ivis, I mean, look, if he keeps performing well, he's going to put his name in that conversation. Uh, absolutely. I think he, he definitely is in that conversation. Uh, I know it's it seems like it's been a while. It's definitely been a while since he's been in the national team mix. Mm-hmm. But people should also realize he's coming off a really good season with New England and MLS. Uh, the second half of that season, he, he really helped uh, carry New England's attack, uh, get them into the playoffs, and, and help them push Sporting Kansas City in that memorable playoff series that they had. So this this isn't exactly a case of a guy who hasn't performed in in a long time he has he has performed he performed in 2013 second half of 2013 so it's not a complete surprise that he's hit the ground running uh with fc utrecht and and now we're talking two straight games now where he's made an impact and and for those of you who didn't see the game uh on on thursday you know his team went down a man they were up 1-0 on his goal beautiful goal one of the best goals you uh you will have seen uh, an american score in some time Mm. uh but you know they were up 1-0, then they go to they go a man down to a red to a red card and they give up the two goals and they lose the match. But <clears throat> what I saw from him in that game was very encouraging just from the standpoint of his ability to hold the ball up, his movement, his work rate. You know, he definitely was was looking to, to contribute defensively as well. Obviously, when you're a man down for more than a half the game, you know, you, you're gonna need 
Uh, well, I don't know if it was more than half the game, but for for at least thirty minutes they were they were down a man, and he he definitely put his work in there. So he knows what's going on. He knows how important it is for him uh, to impress your Klinsman every opportunity that he gets, mm-hmm. and that's why he, as he told me, the reason he went to the Netherlands was to help his national team stock, because all things being equal, he probably goes to Turkey where he had a lucrative offer. Uh, if not for the idea of the World Cup, if not for wanting that opportunity to make it make it to the World Cup. So, you know, he's there for that reason. So he's going to take every opportunity. And right now he's looking really good. He's, you know, it took him one match to get in the starting lineup. Yeah. Now he's been become a regular starter there. Uh, and he's looking good. The goal that he had was nice. Everyone could check it out. Go to soccerbyavis.net. Watch the goal. That nice little, like, uh, that move. It was, it was nice, man. It looks good. <laughs> Way to describe it. <laughs> I, I I know I'm I'm hor- I'm I'm, hor- I, I'm doing a horrible job describing it, but it was a cross that came through. Then he did like a 180 turn and blasted it top. It was it was really nice. Just go to soccerbyivis.net to check it out. It was nice, Ivis. It was good to see. It's good to see his confidence. You know, I mean, because right now you're right. I mean, if he was playing major league soccer, he would just be preparing for the season. Here he's playing big games, getting assists, scoring goals. That's how you get your name in the conversation. Speaking of the conversation. On Gold.com, you had a piece. You took a look at what Klinsman might call in ba- European base players for that friendly against Ukraine. Guy like Juan Agadello, Ivis, if he keeps performing well, he should get called up to that game, correct? I think he'll be there. I mean, I think if he's healthy and if he continues to start, I think I think Agadello will absolutely be there. I don't know if he's going to necessarily – he's not going to start, I don't mm-hmm. think, because I think you have Josie Altidore, Aaron Johansson, Terrence Boyd, are you know the three guys that are you know you, you pencil in right away. And I think he'll be that fourth guy, but I think he absolutely, at this rate, the way he's going, with another month to impress, I think he's going to be there. For a lot of guys, this this Ukraine friendly, I mean, is is it their kind of last chance to impress Jurgen Jurgen Klinsmann? Guys like Onyewu, Tim Ream, I mean, Timmy Chandler. I mean, I, I know I'm focusing on the defense here, but this game against Ukraine, obviously, do you see this as a last opportunity for these guys to really put their name into the conversation? Well, I, the way I see it is I, I don't think it's a case of the game itself necessarily making or breaking their chances. But I think that I think for a lot of those guys you mentioned, the work that they've been putting in will get them to the friendly. Mm-hmm. And I think once they're at the friendly, one, once they have a chance to see Klinsman again, be in that in that mix again, uh, you know, I, I think that's half the battle right there. And, and obviously playing well will help. But I don't think, if uh, you know, for example, you know, someone like Onyewu or I think if they go into that game and they struggle, I don't think you rule them out necessarily. But I think, I think if anything, getting to that game is is a clear sign that those guys are still in the conversation. Then it's a matter of the next few months continuing to play well. Mm-hmm. It's never about the one game. It's never about the one friendly, one performance. Like it's not. It, it doesn't work that way. It's a body of work. These guys all have five months or four months now to impress, and and that one game isn't going to make or break them. But I think just getting to that point. Uh, earning a call up is going to be is going to be big for a lot of these guys because you know some of these guys haven't been around in a year or more. Uh, you know, two players that come to mind: Tim Chandler, Danny Williams. Both were starters yeah. in World Cup in the World Cup qualifier against Honduras, and neither has played since. We're talking more than a calendar year now uh, since those guys played in that game. They haven't been called up since, but now they both really started to turn it on in the past few weeks and months. Uh, especially uh, Tim Chandler, he's really done well. Uh, so I think for me, when you look at those two guys, and not, not just those two guys, but also Nyewu, who's really turned it on at Sheffield Wednesday. I mean, all three of those guys could not, you know, I, I, at this point, I'm not even talking about, oh, will they get called in? I think they're going to get called in. The question is, 
do they start and how do they look when they start? And and I think I tell you what, when, when I put that line, I put the projected starting lineup together that we could see from an all European team, all European based American team. Uh, it, it's a pretty decent team, and it's a yeah. team that I want to see play because some of these guys, if they're on their game, absolutely can contribute to the full team. Uh, look, I, I like the forward group that you have in. Josie Altidore, Andrew Hansen, Terrence Boyd, Juan Agudelo. If that went to Brazil, I think I'd be very okay. I'd be Actually, I'd be very okay with those four guys if they went to Brazil. Yeah, I mean, I'll tell That's you what. I think you, could have, you can absolutely see that group. I mean, I think you're going to, all things being equal, you're going to see the first three of those guys, You're gonna they're going to be there. The question is that fourth forward spot. You have Eddie Johnson, Chris Wondolowski, Hercules Gomez, Juan Agudelo. I think those guys are all competing for that spot. And I think Agudelo's got the, you know, he's kind of almost working. He's as much as, you know, Chris Wondolowski's two goals and his good camp helped him stay in the conversation. I think right now you have Juan Agudelo playing in Europe, playing in the Dutch League, playing against teams like Ajax and, and, and really having a chance to impress. He, for me, you know, he's gone now from two months ago looking like, okay, maybe he's not a realistic option to absolutely being a realistic option. And I tell you what, if he continues to start, if he continues to score goals, he will be in, uh, for me, he'll definitely be in the, in the May camp. Mm -hmm. Cause you remember Gary Klinsman, you know, he, he will call, he will call in a, uh, you, at least we would imagine he's going to call in a camp uh, with, with some extra players we did before he has his final cut down. And, Agudelo, if Agudelo has these next couple of months and keeps on scoring, keeps on starting in the Dutch league, I tell you what, I, I like his chances to beat out guys like Wondolowski, Gomez, and Eddie Johnson. And if anyone wants to see the full roster breakdown, go to goal.com. It, uh, it's it's Ivis's piece. It's a uh, it'll be on the U.S. men's national team. It should be on the front page if you check it out early. If not, just go to the national team. It's Ivis Galarza projecting Klinsman's European base, U.S. national team. Speaking of Jurgen Klinsman, Ivis the other day he talked about the spine of the U.S. men's national team. This shouldn't come as any surprise to see Tim Howard, Michael Bradley, Jermaine Jones. Josie Aldor and Clint Dempsey as part of the spine. I mean, as we know, I mean, those five guys are for sure locks going to Brazil. Well, I think it's a safe bet. I know I know for some people the idea that Jermaine Jones is in that conversation is a little a little surprising just because of the way the, the, his form in the national team setup. His form in national team games is is really inconsistent. Mm -hmm. and, and obviously some people will say, "Hey, look, he was playing at Schalke, he was playing in the Champions League. He, he's he's a high-level player." So he does deserve that kind of consideration, and I can see that. I, I, I do kind of agree from that standpoint. And and right now, it, there does seem to be a gap there between him and and the other options that you could put there. I know Mix Discrude is someone who who's been looked at as maybe he could work his way in, but it's not. It's kind of not looking like that's a realistic option. Someone like Danny Williams, who's kind of a younger a younger version of Jermaine Jones, but maybe not quite as talented, but. You know, if Jermaine Jones is struggling in Turkey or, or, you know, if anything from that, anything like that, or if he gets injured, then all of a sudden, the perfect example, Danny Williams, someone who now looks like could work his way back in. Uh, so, you know, there, there's some options there, but that that five, I don't think anyone's surprised by that five that I mean, based on not just on the quality of the player, but also on, on what we know Klinsman likes and the the guys that he's turned to on a consistent basis to be kind of the backbone of the team. I think you'd also throw uh, Matt Beasler into that list too. I mean, him, him holding out center back. I mean, he's uh, done an excellent job. You know job. what? I don't think he, like, yeah, you can, Matt Beasler is absolutely for me, you know, he's the best center back on the team, but I don't think he's in that same, in that same group. I mean, that's an experienced group. Uh, it's a group that's played at a high level. So I don't think, 
I don't I don't think you can really put him in that conversation. I really don't think you can. The, the whole point of that, him mentioning that group, is uh-huh. that this is our backbone. These are the guys who have played a lot of games for us, played a lot of big games for us, have played at a high level on the club side for us. So when you want to look at it from that standpoint, that's an exclusive group for a reason. So there's no reason, there's no really point to try to squeeze other guys in. I think, hey, Matt Beaster's not a finished product either, right? I mean, he's coming off a great year, but he still has work to do. So, I mean, let, let's let's take it easy now, right? I mean, it's not like he's parlayed 2013 into, oh, here he is. He's starting for Chelsea or something like that. He's still working his way up there. So I, as much as I like Matt Beasler, we have to kind of keep it in perspective now. Let's not, we can't already throw him into that group. Uh, I, I mean, I, I would. I mean, I think he's, I think he's locked to start in Brazil in case he's injured or anything else. There's a lot of time, man. I mean, he, hey, he, he didn't exactly tear it up against South Korea. So uh, things can happen. Details, can details, change. Ivis. Things come on. can change quickly. I tell you what, you know, uh, you never know. I mean, a Gucci was starting to play well. If oh he has a good God. couple, three, four months, if Matt Beaster struggles, I mean, you never know, especially with guys who don't have the extensive track record. I mean, Matt Beaster, has he had a really good calendar year, 13 months? Yes. But that's not enough to put him in the conversation with these other guys who have so, so much more impressive bodies of work. And that was the whole point of Klinsman mentioning that group. So it's fine that you like Beasler. I like Beasler too, but he's just not in that group yet. He's not in that that five-man kind of spot. He's not there yet. He's not there yet. Give him another give him two years. Give him a put a give put a World Cup under his belt. Let him go to Europe, play at a higher level. Then he's in the group. He's not there yet. I I, I see your argument, Ivis. But I, I mean, I, with the way Jermaine, I don't know. I understand what Jurgen's doing, but I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know. I would put Matt Blazer in there over. I mean, over Jermaine Jones for sure. <laughs> Based on what Jermaine Jones is playing the Champions Based League, on, I know. Has, what is it? What is it? Donovan Jermaine, says Jermaine Jones is Champions League player. Exactly. He's a higher level. He's a higher level player. As much as he can be inconsistent at times, as much <laughs> as he can struggle at times. Like you know what? Here's the thing. It's easier. To kind of fall in love with a guy who has a short, a smaller sample size, who hasn't really been tested on enough occasions that you can say, okay, you know, you know what I mean? Like it's easier when you have fewer games as your kind of sample size. Of course, you're going to look better because you have less opportunities to to mess up, less opportunities to struggle, face tough competition. Jermaine Jones has played so many more matches than than Matt Beaster that, you know, it, it's you know, of course he's had some some rough games. So for me. Beaster has to put in the work. He has to put in the games. He has to put in the experiences to be in that conversation of, of that that quote unquote backbone five man group that Jurgen Klinsmann talked about. Like, hey, we all love Matt Beaster. Matt Beaster's great. Great guest on our show. Had an amazing 2013. Mm-hmm. But let's slow it down. We don't have to anoint the guy yet. He still he didn't even have a cap a year ago. And you want to put him in the elite group? Like, settle down. Like, come on, take it easy. <laughs> I hate you. Uh, moving over to Major League Soccer. Speaking of Major League Soccer, Ivis, the preseason has started. Have you have you caught any games yet? Oh uh, yeah, I got a, got a chance to see a few games. Uh, Portland, man, I tell you what, I, I think I called it. I think I said it last year actually mm-hmm. that I thought for 2014 Portland's going to be my pick to win the whole thing. And as much as it's just preseason, it's still early. But I tell you what, man, the, the new, you know, looking at that team and, and the, the additions, I tell you what, they're going to be tough to stop. 
I had a chance to watch uh, Vancouver and Seattle yesterday. That was a good game. Eric Hurtado scored an unbelievable volley in that game. It was unfortunate it wasn't streamed or anything like that. But Seattle beat Vancouver's two to one. It was a good game yesterday. There's lots of games. I mean, there's games all the time. Well, it's insane well, to think it's 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 I mean, people can watch games. All the games are being streamed for like the next month. Right. Well, Vancouver, I can tell you what, and I've I'm I've said it a few a few shows now. I said it a few months back. Omar Salgado, folks, the guy is, is going to have a big year. He's obviously had to deal with injuries for a couple years now. He's kind of become the forgotten man, the forgotten kid, the former number one overall draft pick. But I tell you what, folks, this is going to be a big. This could absolutely be a big year for him. I mean, uh, and and you know he just had he had a two goal game the other day uh, in preseason. I tell you, he's he's gonna be he's gonna be a big one for them. I I, I really think he is. Yeah, no, you're you're right on that. He it was they it was Vancouver played Indy Eleven the other day. They they beat they beat Indy Eleven the other day. And then then I watched him against Seattle yesterday uh, on Thursday. I thought Omar looked pretty good, and uh, he's he's off to a good preseason camp. That's what the reports from Arizona are saying right now. One one of the the things one of the things about him is uh, mm-hmm. the, the lasting impression people have of Omar Salgado is the the day he was drafted, and everybody remembers the big smile and just this tall skinny kid. But I tell you what, the kid is filled out, man. He's hit the weights. He he he's he he just looks like a specimen now, and and he's going to be a handful. I mean, as to combine the the size with the technical ability and now the strength to go with it, if he can stay healthy, if if he has put the foot injuries behind him, I think he's going to have a big year. Uh, Stain on the West Coast, Ivis. There's kind of just a bunch of just little Major League Soccer news here and there. Not much has happened since the last show that we did, but but some kind of things popped up in, here and there. Uh, Bruce Arena signs a contract extension with the LA Galaxy. Uh, he stays there, and he'll just keep keep pushing that LA Galaxy power train along that just now has that Galaxy 2 team in the USL Pro. So Bruce Arena staying with the LA Galaxy for a few more years. I don't think anyone should be surprised by that. If anything, I think the fact that they they committed to the the LA Galaxy Two initiative, I think once that was put out there, you almost got a sense that well, if they're committing to that, obviously that's a long term deal. You got to think they're keeping Bruce Arena around. He's sticking around because he's the he's the mastermind of the whole thing. He he makes it work top to bottom. Uh, so I you know I think it's a safe bet that he had his deal in place before the Orlando before the LA Two. Uh, deal was 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 finalized but you know that it, it just it's a testament to continuity uh that he's been i mean it's crazy to think that he's you know how long he's been there already um you know it, it doesn't seem that long ago when he was being let go by the new york red bulls way too quickly by the way i i might add i think that was one of the really bad mistakes by that organization uh at the time you know i think they, they they cut ties with him way too soon they had really bad leadership that made a mistake at the time and got ga- and the galaxy have benefited tremendously you know now they've become kind of the once again they're the marquee organization in the league and and it's it's all down to arena so you know you, you got to give the la galaxy a lot of credit for for locking him up for for you know that many more years and and it's it's going to be it's it's going to be great to see what they can do now with this la2 mm-hmm. uh initiative and if they can get that pipeline going and and, and work it work that system to not only do you want to see it do well and it's not an la thing like i don't it's not about well, we want to see LA do great. We want to see that initiative work because it can mean so much for the league. Because if they make it work, other teams are going to have to step up and do the same thing. And I think they will. I think teams are in a wait-and-see mode right now to see how the LA Galaxy handle it. And if the Galaxy do well with this USL Pro situation, uh, I think you're going to see more teams do the same thing. And I think ideally 
that's where we're going to have an MLS. You know, when, when, you know, from now, when we go five years from now and we have, you know, ideally like a dozen or so USL pro affiliates, mm-hmm. that's progress. Uh, and I think when and it, we're going to look back on this now and say, you know what, this is all a product of, of, of a team having continuity, having strong leadership and having and committing to that leadership for long for long term. Would, would, do you think that it's going to take the Galaxy a few years to kind of get this going? I mean, they might have a guy or two within the next year or two kind of pop up through the USL Pro team, but I mean, kind of the, the general thoughts more long term to kind of get the, the funnel, the, the academy players through, through the USL Pro, then to move up to the Galaxy. I mean, do, do, do you see this kind of reaping the rewards four or five years from now or even sooner? I think it's going to be sooner than that. Absolutely going to be sooner than that because the fact is they have homegrown players signing already mm-hmm. that have nowhere to play. So, you know, it, it, you can say, oh, well, they could have just sent them on loan to a USL Pro team. That's fine. But it, the, the benefits of having, having a team that is your actual team, that is coached by your coaches, that, that, that preach and coach your structure and your style and your, and your system, I mean, th- that's just invaluable. And, and, you know, people need to realize how important that, that is. If you can, you know, not to say Jack McBean, but just as an example, say someone like Oscar Sorto. Uh, you know, whether or not he might even compete for a starting right back spot this year for the full team. But let's just say hypothetically, you know, he's someone who needs to get games. He if you can now loan him out to that that uh, L.A. two side where he can be coached by an L.A. Galaxy coach, Kurt Anolfo, be right. You know, he can still there. It's right there. It's in the same, you know, same stadium, same setup. So it's like he's still with the Galaxy, but he's going to be able to get games on a consistent basis. I mean, that's invaluable for him, whether it's him, Jack McBean, Raul Mendiola, uh, you know, a couple other, I think, homegrown players that have been mentioned as well, uh, that they're either going to sign or they did sign. I mean, I think already it's going to pay it's going to pay dividends in in the next year or two. And then when you want to talk about long term, obviously, I think it's going to help because you're going to have situations where you have academy players uh, or, or academy products who are who are in college but who haven't signed yet or aren't ready to sign pro deals, but they can be involved with this USL pro team. I mean, I think that's just invaluable. And I think for me, when we look at this next year or two and how it goes, I, I'd say for me, I guarantee you, I, I would put money down that in the next three years, you're going to see multiple teams do the same thing. I think, yeah, I, I think they should. Um, actually, the thought just popped to my head. Does Jose Villarreal go to Mexico if Galaxy had this team a few months ago? I think that's a little different situation. I mean, obviously, uh, it, you know, from that standpoint, I mean, they're 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 re- reaping some financial reward for sending him on loan. I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure that uh, I'm pretty sure that Cruz Azul is paying a, a loan fee, and that's part of the that's part of the reason LA does this move makes that move is because they decided you know what Villarreal is not going to play a ton for us. But we can take the money we use from loaning him and help uh, increase our, our our salary cap. So from that standpoint, I don't think that's really the case because I think he's someone who's enough of a commodity that it was worth them loaning him out and potentially uh, having him earn a full transfer. And if they can – because what it boils down to is this. Like, you, you don't get the sense that the Galaxy were completely sold on Villarreal as a long-term option for them. I, I, you know, as much as people love him, as much as he's – you you twenty sensation, you almost feel like in the past year, like he didn't really necessarily develop the way people had hoped. So there's no other way to look at it but to say, you know, maybe the galaxy just weren't sold on him. I mean, when you loan a guy to a, to a, a team like Cruz Azul and you give them an option to buy, that tells you right there 
they're okay with selling him. They're okay with 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 unloading him. So, uh, no, I don't I don't I don't think uh, you know if they if he was still there, I think he, they would keep him. Uh, they'd keep him on their bench because he still would be someone they'd be, that they would use. I think they'd use him as a bench option. Uh, some other news just around the league. Benji Hoya is now joining the Chicago Fire on a one-year loan with a transfer option from Santos Laguna. It uh, seems like the general sense is that people are very excited about Benji Hoya joining the Chicago Fire. Yeah, you know, I mean, he's obviously a talented prospect. You know, as anyone who saw him with the U20s, he's got quality, I'd say. But, you know, is he someone who's going to step in and be an impact player in MLS in year one? I don't know about that. But I'll tell you what, it's interesting how Chicago has had this infusion of young talent. Uh, when you think about, um, you know, normally people think about the draft is when you bring in your young players via the draft. But, I mean... Think about think about what the fire did this offseason. Uh, they signed Harrison Ship as a homegrown player, quality mm-hmm. quality attacking player. Uh, they they land Giuseppe Gentile. When you add a player like Gentile, Harrison Ship, and now Benji Hoya, I mean that's three talent young talented young players uh, for Frank Yallop and his coaching staff to work with. Uh, you know, are they going to help you right away? I mean, I think that remains to be seen. I don't, I don't know, I don't know if any of them. I mean, I think Ship's someone who can give you give you some quality right off the bat mm-hmm. uh, in year one. But I think it remains to be seen just how how much time those other guys need to develop. But if you're Chicago, if you're a Chicago fan, you should feel pretty good about how much young talent your 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 squad was able to bring in. Uh, an, another rumor that's that's no, I'm so sorry. Another player transfer. This is more kind of like a rumor. It might be true by the time we post this show, but looks like Toronto FC is going to get Julio Cesar, the Brazilian goalkeeper. Uh, thoughts on this, Ivis? Well, it's not a done deal. Th- okay, thoughts thoughts if it does happen. Uh, as of right now, it's just a rumor. It's coming out of Brazil. Uh, if it happens, though, I got to say, I mean, hats off to Toronto if they can pull it off. Because, I mean, you're talking about I mean, a, a Brazilian national team goalkeeper, uh, a guy who's won titles uh, before. Um, he's, an, he's a great goalkeeper. Now, he hasn't been playing, obviously, in the, for, for the past year. He's been on the bench at QPR. He's actually down to being their third goalkeeper now, which is insane considering the money that he's on. But, you know, my initial response to it was how the heck do they pull that off, like financially? Because... I mean, Julio Caesar's on like a six million dollar a year deal. Like he he makes what like Michael Bradley's gonna make, uh, and everyone knows Michael Bradley's deal is, is crazy money. So how does it happen? How does it work? And uh, you know, basically the way it, the only way it can work is, is is if Queen Park Rangers loans him to Toronto and pays the majority of his salary. And you might ask yourself, well, why would QPR even do that? And it's simple. He's not he's not in their plans, right? So why do you want to have a, an extremely highly paid guy uh, sulking around, leading up to a World Cup year? Um, you know, go send him somewhere where he wants to go, and maybe you get the team that he's going to to pay some of the money. Uh, I know Brazil; there were Brazilian clubs that were linked to um, linked to him, linked to Julio Cesar, but it didn't work out. Um, you know, as recently as a week ago, he, there was talk that he was going to go back to Brazil, but for whatever reason, that didn't happen. But now here we are. There's talk about Toronto. I don't know how realistic it is, but I got to say, I've learned I, I learned a long time ago that you, you kind of don't want to doubt or question Tim Lewicki, his ability to make things happen. So from that standpoint, you know, who knows? Maybe whether it's Lewicki, whether it's Ryan Nelson calling in a favor from Harry Redknapp, the, Q, the QPR manager. I don't know how they, they get it done. But if they get it done, I mean, that's big. That's big for them because he's a quality goalkeeper. You know, if he shakes the rust off, 
he could be huge for them. Now, my question, if I have a question, is this. Like, they just signed Joe Bendick to a new deal. Now, look, let's be honest, folks. Joe Bendick is not on anywhere near the level of Julio Cesar. It's not even close. But are you keeping Julio Cesar for the full year? Are you keeping him for half a year? Uh, and if so, like, what does that do to your team? So, I, I mean, there's a lot of questions here. There's a lot of questions about about just how this can even work realistically. So, I can't wait to see what happens because if, if he does come, that's that's that, that's a big one. That's another bold move by a Toronto team that's look more and more looking like they're going to be a serious, serious player in 2014. Yeah, as I say, if this move says anything, I mean, it says the fact that Toronto FC is serious about winning right now. I mean, obviously that's obvious with Michael Bradley, Jermaine Defoe, but bringing in another guy yeah, like Julio Cesar, yeah, I mean, come on. I mean, it just continues that the they haven't spent wasn't enough yeah. of a sign, then, you know, I, I mean, I— I'd love to know how they're going to pull this off if they are, in fact, uh, actually pulling it off. Uh, well, they do. Hey, congrats to Toronto FC. Uh, some other Major League Soccer news that that <clears throat> I think some fans were, I don't know, I don't know. The, generals, the general attitude on this was kind of interesting to see what the league was. But uh, Jason Christ spoke to Manchester City, their, their YouTube channel, and said that he can take up to four Manchester City players on loan for the new NYCFC franchise. Okay, is this fair, Ivis? Because right away everyone's like, this is not fair, blah, blah, blah. He can bring in whoever. I mean, it's not like he's going to bring in a superstar. He's going to bring in some young players. But still, nonetheless, though, I mean, looking at this, being able to bring in four Manchester City players, maybe some really good guys. I mean, is this good for the league, bringing in more quality? Or, or is this going to hamper teams? What do you, do you hear yourself asking that question? Is this good for the league to bring in more quality? Like, is that even a question? Like, come on, people. It's not a bad thing. Number one, it's not unprecedented because Chivas USA did that. <laughs> Chivas USA did that with Chivas. Obviously, it's not on the same level I, because Manchester City way, is level. Manchester City. But, it, I mean, what what do people think is going to happen? Do people think Yaya Toure is going to show up and play for New York? Like, Man City is going to just give up their best players to play for a year in MLS? No, folks, that's not what's happening at all. What's happening is, first of all, for people who aren't, aren't aware, Jason Christ is going to Manchester. Actually, he's already there. He's he's spending six months in – he's spending a long time in Manchester uh, working with their, their, their coaching staff, their training staff. He's learning the ins and outs. He's getting to know the players over there. Uh, he's going to pick pl- up to four players that he's going to bring over. Uh, and, and obviously, you know, it, it's not going to be a case where they're going to be able to just bring four, you know, stud. It's not, you know, David Silva and uh, and Vincent Company. It's not going to be those guys. So, you know, could they bring four really talented players? Absolutely. But, hey, that's that's part of the deal, right? That's I mean, you knew that. When you, when the owners of Man City bought the team, that was always part of the deal. What MLS has to do is make sure that uh, you know Man City is or anybody is not overly circumventing the rules. And this goes back even prior to Chivas USA because listen, when the New York Red Bulls, uh, when New York when when Red Bull bought the Metro Stars, uh, right off the bat, they were already, you know they, there were some loan situations with with players from Red Bull Salzburg. It was never it, it was obviously on a much smaller scale, and it was actually usually players who weren't all that good to begin with, or they, who didn't have much left in the tank. Um, so this isn't exactly uncharted territory, and the league has had to deal with this kind of stuff in the past. So what I would say is, the, I'm pretty sure MLS is aware of the concerns of of, of other teams. 
the more realistic scenario is going to be that mm-hmm. Jason Christ is going to identify up to four players that he is seeing in the Man City, Man City setup. You could see some younger players, and you could see some older players who maybe aren't factoring into the, into the first team setup. Uh, and he's going to bring them over. And and it, you know, could there be one or two guys who are elite level players? Sure, but again, it's going to come down to MLS establishing some guidelines so that you don't have. Uh, Man, Man City or New York City FC bringing in four designated player type players on top of the actual designated players that they're going to have on their team. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, you know, that is what that they're going to have to be really careful of that. Uh, and I'm sure MLS is going to is going to set up a structure so that's not something that's that's allowable. Uh, so for uh, uh, what, you know, if we see that, then yeah, people can definitely go crazy and say, hey, wait a minute. They have three de- they have three DPS, but then they have these four guys that we know are million dollar players. That's seven DPS basically. So I think that's the concern, that's the fear, and I, that's totally understandable. So it's going to be up to MLS to make sure that that's not the case, that that it's not to that extreme a situation that uh, NYCFC is being able to circumvent the salary cap. But I, I think people need to kind of take it easy. It's not that crazy. It's not that serious just yet. Let's see how things play out. Uh, I I think it look with, with, with the way it introed it. I think it's good for the league, and I'm excited about it. When I saw it, I was just like, "Oh, this is gonna be awesome!" Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's 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 what's wrong with more bringing more talent into the league? You know, it puts pressure on everybody. Yeah, and and if that's the thing too. You got to remember, just because you go get some some kind of high price players doesn't mean they're gonna work out. It does not mean that at all. Mm-hmm. And and again, think about this. If you're if you're Man City, or let's say you're a player at Manchester City, right? You're you're in that setup. Uh, you're 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 well played. You're a well paid European player at Manchester City, or a well paid player at Manchester City. Your aspiration is to play for Man City to start to see playing time at Man City. Why does everyone assume that it's going to be that easy for Jason Christ to convince four high end players to come over? Uh, to, to play in MLS, right? I mean, that's easier said than because, done. Because you're in New York City, that's why. Yeah, but I'm sorry. <laughs> you're not getting a, 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 play, a European player in their prime to, to just leave leave uh, leave their European aspirations behind. You're not going to see that. You're not. So, you know, I, I think from that standpoint, it's going to be a lot – it's going to be easier said than done to fill those four, those, those four loan spots with real – uh, with recognizable players, could there be some guys that are in, let's say, uh, in their setup, in their in in their reserve setup, younger prospects that maybe uh, you know we don't know about, but who Jason Christ sees over his time at Manchester, and, you know, and maybe he identifies a forward that is so really far down the depth chart at City, but who has a lot of talent and who's interested in, in getting some playing time and coming on loan. What's wrong with that, folks? That that is great. There's nothing wrong with that at all. And I have just one final thing we, we forgot to talk about before we go into the SBI Q&A. Fabian Johnson is leaving Hoffenheim this summer. What's what's up with that? Well, it, it's pretty simple. He uh, His contract's going to play out. His contract's going to expire at the end of this season uh, with Hoffenheim, and he's he's chosen not to resign. And it's pretty simple. Like He's about to play in the World Cup. Uh, and he's going to go on the market as, a, and he can pretty much, you know, pick his, you know, pick his next destination. And if he has a big World Cup, you know, he can name his price. So it, it's it's pretty good timing and pretty good planning on his part uh, to work that out. And uh, you know, obviously Hoffenheim put that out there, let everybody know that you know they they tr- obviously they tried to sign him, 
uh, to a new deal and he chose not to take uh, them up on it. And and I, I did find it kind of funny that, you know, when I put this story out, when we put the story out uh, on Thursday, some people actually asked the question, well, is he going to move up or is he going to move down? Uh, will he come to MLS? And it's like, okay, folks, seriously, we're talking about a guy who a young, still a young player with a, you know, European passport, uh, Jurgen Klinsmann calls him one of the best right back, one of the best left backs, one of the best fullbacks in the Bundesliga. Mm-hmm. Uh, like this guy is not going, he's not become a free agent to move down. Like he's going to move up. He's going to go to a better club. The question is how much better? Uh, you know, he's obviously in the in the winter. He was linked to to to, I believe it was Cardiff City. He was linked to Premier League teams in a win, in the winter, and apparently he turned down at least one offer, one chance to one offer to come to the Premier League in order to in order to become a free agent in the summer. Uh, there's already talk about teams like Mönchengladbach, Hertha Berlin. Uh, but I tell you what, if he has a big World Cup, and he absolutely, the U.S. need him to have a big World Cup because, I mean, for me, I think he's going to be the left back. Um, he he can name his price, and I think he's he's good enough that he could end up going to a pretty good team this summer. So I think that he's going to be one of those players that, uh, you know, come August is is playing at a pretty good team. Well, Ivish, we have reached the end of the show. You know what that means, SBI Q&A. As always, everyone on Twitter, send questions in, hashtag ask the SBI show. First question comes from Alex Rachubinski. Rachubinski. If Blake if on um, I'm I'm sorry, if Blake plays well and assuming McMath does too, do you see the Uden parting ways with Zach McMath? Also, what teams might be interested? Uh I, I don't th- I'll not tell you what. Ale- Andre Blake has all the talent in the world. I think he's gonna be a great goalkeeper, but I don't think he's some I honest genuinely don't think he's someone you can realistically have be a starter in year one. I, I think he needs he needs a little more seasoning than that. I think Zach McMath's gonna be your starter in twenty fourteen. Uh and that's fine, right? I mean I think you let Blake develop. You you don't want to rush him in. And and here's the thing too, right? If you let's say hypothetically you traded Zach McMath and all of a sudden you are all in with a rookie goalkeeper you sink or swim with a rookie goalkeeper i think the union have invested way too much money into this season to have everything hinge on a rookie goalkeeper that's crazy it's crazy it's not i don't think it's going to happen i mean i I, one thing i would say is there was talk earlier in the offseason about uh, there were rumors that vancouver was interested in zach mcmath i think you know i think it was pretty well well known that vancouver coveted Andre Blake and then when Philly got Blake I think there was some talk that you know they could Vancouver could be interested in Zach McMath but I just don't I think it'd be crazy to trade Zach McMath right now and go and and just stick with the rookie uh when you have high aspirations as a team in 2014 the Philly Union absolutely see themselves as a playoff team they should be a playoff team in 2014 you don't want to take that chance by throwing everything and putting all the pressure on a rookie goalkeeper. I think they have the perfect setup because they have Blake there. He can develop, he can work under Zach McMath. And you know what, if the time comes where he can surpass him, then that that'll happen naturally. But I I think the whole idea of just cutting bait on McMath, throwing Blake the keys, like I think you do that if you're, if you're a bad team, I think you do that if you're a team that's in rebuilding mode and probably isn't going to compete for the playoffs I think then you can have that luxury of doing that. I think the I don't think the Union are that team. I think the Union are a team that they're loaded up to go for the playoff run, try to make a deep run in the playoffs. And they I think they've got the talent to do it. I think they upgraded their midfield in a way that they they're going to they're going to compete adding Maurice Sadu, Maidana, uh Noguera, like, like those three pieces are huge for them. So, you know what? 
Uh, I think it'd be crazy. I think it'd be crazy to trade McMath. Next question comes from Eric Walcott. Which rookies are are likely to get most minutes, make the biggest impact? Ah, it's too early to say. Uh, I, I gotta sit. I gotta sit and think about it and look at look at the depth charts and 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 really get a sense of of who who I like in this rookie class. But I mean, off the top of my head, uh, I think uh, hmm, that's a tough one, man. It's a tough one. It, it this year's rookie group is. Uh, like someone like Steve Birnbaum, I think he's ready to play, but they already have Jeff Park and Bobby Boswell, so it might be tougher for him to get minutes. Harrison Ship, I think, has got the talent to come in and, and make some things happen. Tommy Thompson, the youngster out of Indiana who signed a homegrown deal at San Jose, I think he's someone who can who can do some things. So uh, you know what? Talk to me. I'd say talk to me in uh, in two weeks, and then I'll have a little better idea about it. Uh, next question comes from Benjamin Harold. Am I crazy, or would Graham Zuzzi make a good right back? Second question. Also, any chance Detroit gets an MLS team in the semi near future? Uh, I don't see. I don't see it happening ever. Honestly, I don't think Detroit's real. I, I just think there's just they're just better options um, for for MLS expansion. I just I don't see that in the future. Uh, I guess next question comes from Nathan Martin. After sporting Kansas City's win, the best defense in Major League Soccer is is eight and three in MLS Cup. Who will be the best D in twenty fourteen, and is that the favorite for MLS Cup? Well, um, I think Kansas City is going to have the best defense again next year, most likely. Um, but you know, just to, just to the point of your of your your stat there, uh, if the best defense in the league has won the title eight times, and that's less than half of the the number of uh, of MLS Cup, so. Uh, it, it's it's not a given that the best defense wins the title is the point. Um, for me, I think I mentioned it earlier. I think for like going into 2014, my favorite to win it all as of right now, I got to go with the Portland Timbers. Uh, you know, I, I think that you know going through the growing pains, it was always unrealistic to think that in year one of the Caleb Porter rebuild that they were going to be able to compete for a title. But the fact that they finished first in the West, were that close to a supporter shield. Uh, I, I, and now have had another offseason to tinker with that roster, to go add some pieces, to go add a, a skilled center back like Paparato, to go add an attacking player like Gaston Fernandez. I mean, add those pieces, and now you have a full year of Max Rudy. You have Nagby, who's obviously come into his own. You go get a rookie in Shiloh Shuma who falls in your lap in the draft. I think everything is just falling into place for Portland. I just, I, I'm telling you what, I, I think they're going to win the whole thing. Uh, another question comes from Nee Hall, who I haven't heard from in a, in a while. Uh, is there any chance Josh Gatt makes the March friendly? Also, it also is, could the friendly, come on, Nee Hall, better English. Also, is the could the friendly be canceled? But this main question, Ivis, is could Josh Gatt make the March friendly? Uh, actually, I think I touched on that in my, uh, in my gold.com piece. Uh, I think there's a possibility that Klinsman could bring those guys in. Uh, but, I mean, we have to remember, the guy had a torn ACL. He just resumed training uh, with Molde at the end of January, right? He joined them for their preseason. Uh, so, I mean, is a month of, is a month of preseason uh, really enough to come in and get some playing time in that friendly? I, realistically, no. Could he get a, could he get called in and, and be part of a group that gets together for that friendly? I, I could see that. I could see actually I could see him and Stuart Olden uh, both coming in and being part of the group that's there. Do I see him taking the field in Ukraine? No, I, I think that's pushing it a bit. Uh, and that's for the game being canceled. Uh, the game is is being played in a part of Ukraine that isn't where the kind of I guess the whatever's going on in Ukraine 
the the unrest is, is taking place. It's it's the, the friendly is not being played where it's where the hot spot is, so to speak. So from that standpoint, I think it's pretty safe bet the game's going to happen. Uh, next question comes from Imaginary Tubo Friend. Do you think any of this year's homegrown signings can have a DeAndre Yedlin type impact? Uh, that's going to be a tough one. I got I got to say, when we're talking about the homegrowns. Uh, you know, I had a, I was looking at the list the other day, and I mean, there's some guys. I mean, for me, Tommy Thompson, as much as he looks like he's 12 years old, the kid can ball. The kid can play. I just I have one. I have questions about how he fits with what San Jose does, and if they'll use him properly and get the most out of him. Because I mean, it's I don't know how to put it, but they, you know, obviously we all know San Jose is a very physical team. They play that physical kind of smash and grab style of soccer. Tommy Thompson's a little bit more of a like stylish kind of quick attacking player. Is he going to fit in well with them? I like his, uh, but uh, from an ability standpoint, I think he's great. Uh, and then obviously Harrison Ship, I think someone who can have an impact right away. Um, beyond that, though, someone that can step in and start and get minutes in, in year one, it's going to be tough. This this group, uh, I think it's more of a long term talent group I, I, in terms of guys who can play right away. It's a it's a younger group, you know. I think if some, I mean, just to give you an idea, Sebastian Ibiaga, right? Houston Dynamo homegrown player. If they had signed him, he could have absolutely been competing for a starting center back spot for them. And he he, for my money, would be like a rookie of the year candidate. Obviously, he went to Europe. He signed with Horsens in Denmark. So that ship is sailed. Uh, I mean, there's there's some good talent in the homegrown group this year, but I don't know. I don't know if there's anyone that I see coming in and starting right away. Although I should preface, I don't know many people, including myself, who thought Yedlin would come in and start right away. That is true. Uh, final question comes from Brian. With Timmy Chandler's travel anxiety, is he really an option for the World Cup? I feel like that's the why. That's I feel like that is why he is not in the squad. I mean, I haven't heard uh, stories about him having uh, travel anxiety. I haven't heard that. So for me, that one's a little, uh, you know, I don't know if that's why. I, th- I mean, basically, from what we've heard, it's been more of a case of him not being in form uh, or having injuries. So it's it seems like it's been a case of bad timing. Uh, obviously, there was a point in time when it seemed like it was more of a case of Klinsman questioning his commitment. And maybe that ended up being a story a storyline that maybe there wasn't it wasn't quite accurate and you know we will find out on March 5th or we'll find out in this friendly against Ukraine if he's not called in for that game then it's like wow what is going on here there's got to be something more to this story but i tell you what i for my money Chandler will be there and Timmy Chandler will be in a starting lineup against Ukraine as always, everyone, we, we appreciate the questions for the uh, SBI Q&A. And, and Ivis, man, that, that wraps up the uh, Q&A, man. Uh, and I think, we, I think we discussed everything that we needed to cover on today's show. Uh, yeah, you know, it was, it wasn't, uh, there wasn't a ton of stuff going on this week. But there were the things that did happen. There were some big, obviously, some key, key, key uh, topics. The David Beckham story is huge. Uh, the Atlanta expansion talk. MLS expansion. It's the talk of the summer. I mean, talk of the winter. Mm-hmm. Uh, that Julio Cesar to TFC thing is really going to ruffle some feathers and get people talking and make people wonder how in the hell they're pulling that off. Uh, so I think that bears watching. And I tell you what. People, the the Ukraine friendly is a month is is a month away, but it's not too early to start talking about it. And I think it just shows you how much excitement there is about the World Cup and about this U.S. national team and who's going to be on it. That we that it's already time to start talking about the March friendly in February. 
it's uh dude everything's gonna come up pretty quickly man just like that it's gonna be the summer and you're gonna be in brazil with me doing shows from there it's gonna be exciting <laughs> yes hopefully man it'd be great if you could come i mean i you're not gonna get a credential but if you want to fly down and hang out with me we could, we could absolutely do shows down there i can't come man i got i gotta work during the summer yeah yeah you do yeah it's all right i'll take pictures i take a lot of pictures for you thanks man i appreciate that yeah man what about are, are these safe for work pictures or not safe for work pictures Hey, settle down. Uh, I'll be, I'll, I'll be, uh, I'll actually be in Brazil for probably about seven weeks. Uh, Damn. So, yeah, it's gonna, it's gonna be a good time. I'm gonna, you know, go down uh, from before the start of the tournament, and uh, I'll stay for a week after the tournament, uh, flying my family down for a week. We're gonna hang out with my my family down there. My grandfather lives in Brazil. He's lived in Brazil for more than fifty years now, and uh, you know, we're gonna be hanging out with him for quite a bit. Uh, and so it's, it should be a good time. It's, uh, I'm I'm looking forward to it. Uh, it's crazy. I don't know. It's it's four months four months away. And I tell you what, as cold as it is in New Jersey, mm-hmm. I, I I I cannot wait. I cannot wait to be in Sao Paulo, Rio, Brazilia, uh, Recife, Natal, Manaus, the Amazon, even in the Amazon. I might regret it saying this in four months when it's like 120 degrees and I'm struggling in the Amazon. But you know what? I think. As cold as it is here, I won't mind that. Yeah, as, and you're, as, as you're walking around with like some bug bite from some insect that you've never heard of or, or something like that, I could, I could just imagine that. Why, why are you trying to jinx me? See, now, you're, now, now if I die of <laughs> malaria, it's your fault. There you go. Don't they have pills for that? I don't know. Maybe. I thought if anything did. happens to me, it's on your head. That, so you that's, that, no way, man. You just, you just jinx me. Thanks. Good job. Oh, well, <laughs> you know what? I'll, I'll, I won't lose any sleep over it. I know it's all right. You're a, TV, you're a TV star now. You don't care about the show, dude. I'm, I know, man. I'm loving this TV work, dude. It's it's so much fun. It's just get in, you get out, man. You hit it and quit it. I love it. That's, well, that's, but just that's like story, just that's the story. Of your yeah, life. story of my life. <laughs> there you go. Got to get in, get out, man. <laughs> all, right. all right, all right. That wraps up the show, man. Uh, I miss. <laughs> You have a good weekend. Remember, everyone, Ivis and I, until the season starts, we're only doing two shows a week. Once the Major League season soccer gets underway, we will go to three shows. So for everyone wondering, we're still doing two shows a week. So just bear with us for another month. We'll eventually get to three shows. But we appreciate everyone listening, your comments, your concerns, reviews on iTunes, and everything else. As always, Ivis and I appreciate that a lot. Yes, definitely. Thanks for the we, we got some new reviews on uh, on iTunes, so thanks thanks for those. And uh, you know, uh, once again, we didn't come through with with, with a guest, but we, we will start working on that. Uh, hopefully, in the next couple of shows, to, once we get uh, back into kind of a regular regular schedule routine, uh, mm. you know, we'll we'll start to talk, especially with some of the coaches, uh, you know, to talk to them about the season upcoming, and, and maybe even getting some of the new players that are coming into the league uh, to to talk to us. So. Uh, Keep an eye out for that. Yeah. Well, I mean, you and I are a little busy right now. Once the season starts, you know, you know, things will get back into a routine and, and, and all that stuff. I mean, the preseason, as we know, I mean, it's that's all over the place with team here, yeah, team there, traveling, blah, blah, blah. I mean, it's it's insane right now. I don't know. Well, I'll tell you what. I Just a little FYI, I actually booked my first trip of the season uh, for the opening weekend. I will be in Seattle, uh, flying out to Seattle. I will be at Seattle Sporting Kansas City. And then I will be driving down to Portland after that Seattle KC game, and I'll be watching Portland versus Philly. Uh, I'll be taking in both those matches on opening day, and then uh, that Monday I will fly to Los Angeles ahead of the LA Galaxy Club Tijuana 
CONCACAF Champions League clash, quarterfinal clash. So uh, I had to do that re- that West Coast road swing, and uh, I'm definitely looking forward to it. So if you're in Seattle, Portland, or L.A., maybe you'll see me in March. And also to visit your second family in Portland, too. That's very nice of you. <laughs> you know, just because I've gone to Portland a few times. I, I got to, hey, I love Portland. I, what can I say? I mean, uh, it's it's a great time. I love Seattle, too. So I'm looking. I'm actually looking forward to all three of those stops, three great cities to visit. Uh, and yeah, you know what? I did, I have built in an extra day maybe in uh, in Portland. I may or may not do some sh- some uh, sneaker shopping while I'm in Portland. Uh, but no, nah, it's a great time. It's a great city, and so is Seattle. I'll, I'll I'll check both those out. And L.A. Let's face it, anytime you go to L.A., you go to L.A. So I'm gonna enjoy that time too. Well, good. Uh, when am I gonna be on these road trips with you? Uh, well, hey, maybe we'll hey. Come April, if that USA Mexico game in in Phoenix as being as rumored happens, and I'll be in Phoenix and we'll we'll hang out, we'll do it up. SB, you know what? I don't know. SBI show, uh, pre uh, pre game party. Maybe we gotta do that. Oh, that we one? should do that. I I know. It's t- oh God, I'm, I'm already getting excited about we, it. We if have it's to make, out we here. Have to make, we have to make up for for the failed attempt at a MLS Cup party. So. I will, I will admit though, because if, if the game is in Phoenix, because you know in Kansas City, you know I, I was pretty professional. When I was out there. I didn't drink that much. You know I was working when I was out there. If the game is in Phoenix, I will be a sloppy mess. That <laughs> I, I can I can guarantee that. <laughs> Garrett will go buck wild if the if the USA Mexico game is in. Uh, yeah, because I mean, look, Phoenix is my city. I mean, if I get hammered, who's going to tell me I can't get hammered? I mean, Phoenix is my city. You can't tell me what to do in my city. So, <laughs> well, if you're no, but hey, if you're hosting a party, you sh- you should probably not get completely hammered. You should try to maybe, you know, I, I it's funny. I remember the uh, I did I did an MLS Cup party in LA. Uh, a couple, was it three years ago now? And it, it it was you know great party. I may have overdone it a little bit. We did pop a few bottles. We had a little Jack Daniels on deck. It was a good time. Uh, you know what? That it, it I from that I can tell you it is tough to not not drink when you're when you're hosting a party. But you got to stay in control, Garrett, because they're going to be a lot of U.S. fans because it's USA Mexico. It's going to be a lot of USA fans coming in for that. And and who knows? Maybe we get a pretty big pre uh, day before the game party. Maybe we'll we'll work that out. I'm down for that. I am very I am very down for this. The uh, game's not a, the game's not official yet. So no, I know. Once, uh, once it's formally announced, then Garrett will, will will start working on the planning stages of that. Yes. Since 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 Phoenix is his city, he he'll pick the venue and we'll work it all out. Yeah. <laughs> He's the mayor of Phoenix. One day, Ivis. One day. Um, one. Yeah. Well, uh, all right, man. Uh, that wraps up the show. You have a good weekend. I will talk to you. I'll talk to you next week. Uh, so, Ivis, man, I'll uh, in- enjoy some preseason this weekend. Uh, yes, sir. And as always, everyone, we appreciate everything you do to make this show wonderful for us. Thank you for the comments. Thank you for the recent iTunes reviews. Have an excellent weekend, Ivis, and I will be back again next week. This is the SBI Show. <laughs>